Welcome to the Overnight Trainer Podcast, where each week we talk about all things related to the world of learning and development, including facilitation, instructional design, sales enablement, and so much more. I'm your host, Sarah Canistra, and I'm an L&D strategist and career coach, and I'm here to take the guesswork out of becoming an L&D professional and show you how to unlock continued success in your learning and development career. I'm on a mission to quickly develop the next generation of L&D leaders who are looking to create meaningful and engaging learning experiences. So, if you're looking to transition into L&D for the first time, have found yourself accidentally in a training position, or are working up the ranks as an L&D professional already, you've come to the right place. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Overnight Trainer Podcast. I'm so happy you're here and joining me in a brand new Airbnb. Uh, If you have been following along live uh, for the last couple of weeks, you'll know that my partner Brandon and I have been moving uh, and our two dogs who are actually in this room with me right now, so you might might hear them. Uh, But we've been moving from Airbnb to Airbnb as our new house, uh, our new new house that we just bought um, gets fixed. There was a little bit of a a flood (laughs) that happened in there. So uh, again, from week to week, it sounds different. Acoustics sound different. Uh, Dogs are in the background. I appreciate y'all bearing with me. And I'm really, really excited for today's episode. We have a really special guest on the show today. But before I dive into introducing our incredible guest, I want to talk about some of the big breakthroughs that are happening inside of the Overnight Trainer Group Career Coaching Program. So for those of you that don't know, this is a group career coaching program uh, that I put on and it is a six month long program where you get access to weekly calls with me uh, as well as an asynchronous course that walks you through step by step by step the exact strategy to find, land, and love the dream L&D career of your dreams <laughs> and to uh, get that plus you get access to our private LinkedIn community and so and there's more information I can give you more information on that as well if you're interested but what I wanted to talk about is and I did a post on this yesterday and I'll honestly probably dedicate a whole podcast episode to it coming soon now, now that I've thought about it a little bit more but about 80% of the people who join this program join wanting to get into instructional design but they do it because they feel it's the path of least resistance or the easiest path, or they've seen other teachers or educators do it, so they think that's what they should do. Um, And your conscious brain might actually think it's what you want to do. But a lot of the work that we do inside of the program is really getting into the core of like, what do you actually want to do, right? Do you actually wanna do this or have you essentially programmed yourself, right, to think, to think that you want to do this because actually wanting to do something and thinking you want to do something are two totally different things. And so the breakthroughs that are coming up inside of the coaching program right now are incredible because people are realizing that they've almost been self-conditioning themselves to think that all they can be is an instructional designer. And inside the program, I really crack crack y'all open, but crack it open to say, hey, look, here's the realm of possibilities of things that you could do from having been an educator or no matter, I mean, we have people who aren't educators in there too, but you know, really thinking about here's your past experience and here's all the possibilities for you. And so seeing these breakthroughs are 
coming through are amazing because what I'm noticing happening, and this is really great and kind of on topic of what today's podcast is about anyways, but what I notice is that once my clients start to get clarity, right? Clarity on what it is that they want to actually be doing, not what they think they should be doing or what people on LinkedIn tell them they should be doing or what someone else tells them they should be doing, right? As soon as they get that clarity, the confidence comes right behind it. I did a post on this uh, probably about a month ago now where uh, you know one of my clients during our group coaching, this is maybe maybe two weeks in, once um, she realized and got that clarity and redid her resume, she said out loud to the group, like, holy shit, I'd hire me. Like after I did my resume and I realized all the value I bring, like who wouldn't hire me? And so that confidence comes with getting that clarity. And so if you are not making traction in your L&D job search, come join us inside this incredible program. It will narrow down and really figure out together why it is that you're not getting results, uh, help you create a streamlined strategy to get results. And I'm there with you every step of the way. So as a group, we meet weekly. You get weekly access to me. You get daily access to me inside of our uh, LinkedIn group. And I help you really, like I said, create that streamlined strategy. So from finding the right role at the right company to marketing yourself through a resume, cover letter, and portfolio if needed, uh, crafting a LinkedIn and networking strategy that's in alignment with you and your goals, and then all the way through interview prep, tips, negotiating salary, right? From start to finish, I am there with you. And you get six months access to this program. You can go as fast or as slow as you want in that time frame. I've had people go through the entire course in one week, really like head down, study the material, like go, go balls to the wall with it for lack of better term, um, and get a job two weeks later. And then I also have people who are finishing out their they're teaching, finishing out their semester, finishing out their year, and wanna really have a nice slow drip and be really intentional about their next step. So there is no wrong wrong way to approach this program, but you do have six months access. And now I'm making it even more accessible. I have heard you, I know that it is not something to be taken lightly to invest in yourself by working with a coach. And so I'm making it more accessible. I now have a new low monthly rate where you can pay for the entire program over 12 months. So the program is still six months long, but I've created an option where you can pay over the course of 12 months. Uh, so if you're, if you're <laughs> interested in information on that, uh, go to my website, theovernighttrainer.com slash work dash with dash me, or you can go to the featured section on my LinkedIn profile for more information. I'm really excited to be able to offer this at a, a new lower rate, more accessible monthly rate, and would love to have you inside the program. So let me know if you have any questions. Would love to love to see you soar in your L&D career. All right, let's go on to today's show. So on the show today, I have Lisa Filia, who is a career confidence coach uh, and the founder of Belief Seed, whose mission is to help others trust themselves so they can take charge of their career. Lisa has a master's in industrial organizational psychology, a life coaching certification, and experience as an L&D consultant and communications trainer. So she blends all of those experiences together to provide her clients with the tools, guidance, and insight to access their own brilliance. And before we jump into our conversation uh, between 
Lisa and me, one thing that we don't cover in today's show is Lisa's new Soul Activation Coach Certification. So this is for coaches or those wanting to become a coach to learn to connect to their clients, uh, connect their clients to who they really are at the soul level. So this is the heart of what Lisa does. Uh, The certification combines NLP, spirituality, values awareness, workplace psychology, and emotional release work so that you can coach your clients with soul and create space for massive transformations. So if you want to attract, coach, re-up with clients with the confidence that comes from that soul connection, this is a certification for you. And at the end of the show, Lisa shares all the ways you can connect with her to learn more about this and all of her other offerings. So let's get started with Lisa. All right, Lisa, welcome to the Overnight Trainer podcast. How are you today? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited you're here. And I want to let everyone know too, like how we know each other. So we both have the same business coach. And what's so amazing about that is that she does a lot of like masterminds and group coaching and things like that. And so we were able to meet and connect because we're not, I wouldn't say necessarily in the same space, but we're in a very, like, I'd say under the same umbrella in regards to helping people, especially in their careers, find their highest and and truest selves and really find a lot of happiness. So that's how we know each other. If anyone was listening and they're so intrigued as to how, how Lisa and I found each other, but I'm really excited to have you on the show for a million reasons. You're just a, such a wealth of knowledge. I love, I, I listen to your podcast. I read all, all the things that you put out there. I learned so much from, from you, but one reason in particular that I was so excited to have you on the show is because of your journey and your background. So kind of the, where, where you've been and kind of where you're going. And so you started your career, you know, while you were, while you were still getting your, your degree, but in that higher education space, academic advisement and research, transitioned into more of a corporate learning and development role, and then moved into career and life coaching. So tell us about that journey. How did you go from, you know, kind of where you were in college and getting into higher education and that academic advising to L&D and then now into the coaching space? Yeah, I would love to share. And I'd love to say that I just went from one and knew the path the whole time and it, it was carved out perfectly, but that was definitely not <laughs> the case for me. I didn't even know about um, coaching in the capacity that I do it now when I first started. So uh, for anyone out there listening who feels like they don't know where they're headed or what the point of it is, you're not alone and you don't even need to know it. So, so I'd, I'd love to share that just to offer anyone any relief that that might, might bring. Uh, so for me, it it just started with a spark, like a spark of passion. I I knew I was interested in psychology and that's about as much as I knew. And so uh, the psychology advising office was a place I felt called to. And so that's why I started there and and helping people carve out their path uh, just from a school perspective and figuring out what did they want to study? Where did they want to go after that? And I think if you were to look at all of the positions that I've had, the common theme was always learning and growth. And I'm sure for, for your folks as well, that's probably a, a common theme. People in L&D, we love to learn, we love to grow, and we'll find ways to weave it in wherever we're at. So true. It's so true. I was talking to one of my clients uh, the other day, and we were really diving deep into her why and like this, where this like, love of learning came from. And she was able to trace it back to this one class she took in college that showed her it was so it was structured so differently than any other like traditional class she had taken before then and 
the way that she was learning and engaging and the way that the instructor was facilitating and peer coaching and all of this, like it was that spark for her. And so it's, it's again, she didn't even think about that being a pivotal moment until we really dug deep into it. So I love what you just said about that of like, we don't really know until, until we get there until we know. So yeah, it's so wonderful to hear that. And so from higher, higher ed and kind of in that space, what brought you then to the, the corporate world of learning and development? Yeah. So I knew that I liked learning and I, I enjoyed training, but I didn't know how I wanted to bring it out. And so really I looked for a position that had different aspects of that within it. So I knew the skills I wanted and I knew that I didn't want to be confined to a specific uh, narrowed focus of it. And that allowed me to use that to figure out uh, what next step I would do. And that's, that was like a, a baby step into learning and development. And from there, I realized what I liked and what I didn't like. And that was, that's kind of been the journey throughout my whole cycle. I'll get somewhere and I'll say, okay, am I good at this? If yes, do I like it? If no, okay. Do I want to get good at it? Do I like it? Do I like it enough that it's worth getting good at? If no, okay. But does it lead me somewhere that I want to get to? If yes, is it worth it? And so I just use this kind of yes, no, yes, no type of question because it helps make it less overwhelming uh, for one. So we don't have like this massive decision of what do I want to do with my life? (laughs) That question like makes you want to put the covers on and roll back into bed, uh, but instead breaks it into these little steps, always knowing you can make these little moves and these little, little moves and little moves in terms of uh, decisions, but they can have massive impact on that overarching career path that you're taking. Yeah. I love, I love that so much. And it's something actually, even last night in, in the, this workshop I'm doing right now, we talked about that and, and something you said, I was clapping, I was on mute. Cause I'm, you know, I gotta be careful making all this noise that's behind me, but you know, just because you're good at something, doesn't mean it's what you want to actually do or that you actually like it. Right. I think a lot of people get stuck in that, that trap of, oh, well, I'm good at this. So it's what I should do. And there, there's so much more to that kind of micro decision-making that you're talking about of, are you good at it? Okay. Yes. But to your next point of, does it actually interest me? Do I actually want to do this? And if the answer is no, it doesn't matter then if you're good at it, that's awesome. It's a skill you have, maybe you'll pull it back out later. Right. But it's not something to, to focus on you know, moving forward. So I love that kind of micro decision-making that you're talking about. So how did all this lead you into being a coach? Yeah. So I was in this company that I absolutely loved. It's a, in leadership and learning and development. And I was a, a trainer there and a leadership consultant, but I would get so nervous before any training that I would not sleep the entire night before. And I mean, this was like massive anxiety up all night, shaking my husband awake, crying because I didn't know what was going to happen. And I don't know about you, Sarah, but the way my brain works is first, it's like, oh no, you can't sleep. Then it's like, oh, you're going to do terrible in your position. Your boss is going to be disappointed. You're going to be fired. You're not going to be able to drive well to the event. You're going to get in an accident. Like I was going to every possible angle of what could go wrong. And then going back and beating myself up for it and being like, this isn't a real problem. Why are you getting so upset? This isn't something to get worried about. Something's wrong with you. So I would vacillate between this panic and anxiety and then into this frustration 
And it was just tearing myself apart. And I honestly had this moment where I was like, okay, either I need to quit and do something easier or I need to change. <laughs> That's it. Those are the only options. I can't go on like this anymore. Uh, so I did, I went to therapy and that did help me a lot to, to figure out kind of what was going on. But then from there, I found a life coach and they helped me change my relationship with anxiety. And I remember the moment I was talking with them and they look at me and they go, Lisa, what if not sleeping just was not a problem? And that blew my mind. And it might seem kind of obvious to folks who haven't struggled with this, but those little questions like that can change your entire life because it never occurred to me that it didn't have to be a big deal in that way. It felt, it still felt like a big deal. So I didn't try to force myself into seeing it as not a problem, but I opened myself up to the possibility for the first part. So anyone struggling with anxiety of any form, I offer that to you. What if it's okay? What if, what if feeling that way or whatever negative outcome you're afraid could happen isn't, isn't really that bad? What if it's not a big problem? And then the second thing that this helped me do was process the anxiety. Instead of analyzing it in my brain, which is what I would do in bed, like trying to figure out what was going on and then you know, going off on this tangent with myself about how bad it could be, I refocused on my body. I refocused on, okay, my heart's beating, my fingers feel a little tingly, my breath's a little shallow, that is all that's happening. I wouldn't let my brain go somewhere and make it mean anything. I would just refocus on the body, refocus on the body. Yeah. I love, you know, one of the things that I've been thinking a lot more about, and I actually challenged this to one of my clients last night, I was messaging them of like, why do we, this is a, a broad kind of assumption here, but why do we always have to make things mean something, right? Like, why can't it just be, you know? And like, that was a question I posted, like, why can't it just be right. We, we make it mean, we don't hear from someone in 24 hours. We make it mean they hate us. Right. We, we get a rejection from that and we make it from a job and we, we make it that we're the worst person in the entire world. Right. Like why, why do we make it mean all of these things for us? And I just absolutely love of like, why can't it just be like my heart, this is happening. And it doesn't mean anything other than my heart is beating fast. My fingers are tingling. My breath is shallow. Like that's, that's what's actually happening in the moment rather than applying all of these possible meanings to it, which typically only exasperate the situation too. So I, I love that. And so I, I want to transition a little bit in regards to kind of talking about, you've obviously had a really wonderful experience with coaching yourself that led you into wanting to now help other people do this. And one thing that I really love that you say, and I know you talk a lot about is that self-confidence is available to all. So I work with a lot of people who struggle with their self-confidence. You're kind of talking about that offline before we start hit the record button. So what do you mean by that? That self-confidence is available to all. Yeah, I think people think some people are just born with it and they, they got it and, and you didn't. And what I'd offer to all of us out there is that self-confidence really the way that I, I see it and the way that it's shown up for my clients as well is it's always there. It's just underneath everything we've put on top of it, the judgments, the shame, the different emotions. If we strip those away, that's the baseline. When we're born, we're not 
usually born as a, a, an anxious baby, we, we come out whole, we come out in that way. And so it's always there. We just put on these stories on top of it. So instead of feeling like we need to build our confidence or find our confidence, or like we just didn't get it, I'd invite people to actually think about, okay, how do I access it? How do I get what's already there? Because it's there, it's inside, it's buried beneath, and it doesn't require any skills. It doesn't require uh, any specific knowledge because it's about you trusting you. Even if you don't know if you can do it, that does, frankly, just does not matter. I think we try to make confidence mean, can I do this? Do I know if I can do this? And instead, let it mean, no matter what, do I have my own back, even if I don't succeed? That allows us to be willing to try and to do so from a place where we'll make bold moves because we know if it doesn't work out, we've got our own back. We are resilient and we can keep pushing forward. That's so powerful. And I was just, it, the imagery that came up for me when you were talking about of rather than building confidence, right, which I think a lot of people try to do. How do I build my confidence, build my confidence, build my confidence. It's less about adding on to the layers and more about peeling back the layers and saying, how do we remove like, I'm like, like a physical weight, right? Like how do we remove this, this block and put it over here? People can't see my hand motions, but you can, but you know, how, how do we kind of peel back these layers and remove the weight that has been layered on through conditioning, societal conditioning, through what our parents have given us, through what we've learned in school, right? All of these things that have conditioned us to and have broken us down, toxic work environments that we've had, you know, toxic relationships. You know, how do we start to shed those layers to find that self-confidence that is within? So it, it's so such a beautiful analogy that you make it. It seems much more doable because you already have it. It's just, you have to remove some other shit, right? But you don't have to find anything new. And I think that's a really beautiful way of, of putting it. And you know, I work with a lot of people who are former and current educators. So a lot of people who are in the K through 12 space, a lot of people who are in higher education. And I've never been in either of those spaces, but having now worked with people over the last year, a lot of people in those spaces, I'm realizing that there's a lot of toxicity in there. And many of these people that come to me, or even these people in my network have these incredible skills, like teachers, like the teachers I work with, the, the, sometimes I'm like, they know, they know more than I, like more than I do about so many things, right. The incredible skill set. And, you know, I always, it's something our coach Yolanda always says, you know, borrow the faith I have in you until you have it in yourself. Right. And so I, and I see that, I see these skills that these incredible people come with, but they're unable to believe in themselves enough to see it. And a lot of it has to do with never being given any feedback. So there's not a lot of you know, good or bad or constructive or, Hey, this was great. Like none of that. And so I think that perpetuates this like, deep, dark hole of self-doubt of, I never knew if what I was doing was good or bad. So it's just kind of like pushed my confidence is pushed down, pushed down, pushed down. So where does someone start on their self-confidence journey to get out of this black hole? Like what is a good first step towards removing some of those those blocks, those heavy layers that we have that are pushing down our self-confidence. Yeah. I love that you bring that up because feedback, if, if you don't get it, yeah, we, we tend to make it the worst case scenario. And oftentimes too, in companies, if you get it, it's because someone's seen that something went wrong or they're seeing it in that way. It's not like, 
people are often giving the positive feedback on a, on a daily or weekly basis. So we got to do it for ourselves. We've got to be our own feedback source to see what's working and what's not. And so if I were to say, where do you start? What, what do you do first? It comes down to self-trust. It comes down to knowing how to be there for you. And the, the one of the things I, I have my clients do when I first start working that with them is write love letters to themselves for 30 days straight. And usually people kind of roll their eyes at this. When I, when I first did this, I rolled my eyes too. It feels hokey. It feels like a, a kind of a funny, ridiculous thing. What do you mean write a love letter to myself? But what you're doing when you do that is you're getting beyond the baggage. You're getting almost beneath the baggage really and tapping into that soul-filled self-confidence. And this is where, where woo uh, could come into play here and, and whether you listeners out there are in that spiritual space or not, we all have that intuition inside that energetic source, whether you call it your higher self, your intuition, your soul, your spirit, your true self, whatever word you use to describe it, it's within, it's that quiet wisdom and the calm. And if we never check in with it, then we, we miss out on its wisdom, but it's always there and it's always communicating. So what these letters do is they help you get beneath the mind energy that's often like up in this hustle bustle in front of your, in front of your own face. Like if you could see me, I'm putting my hands right in front of my forehead, like this. I love the hand motions. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, And so it brings you almost behind yourself and recenters you. And with these letters, when I, what I find happens is in the beginning, you kind of roll your eyes, but you're open to it. But then after a couple of days, it starts to be more fun. It starts to be more exciting. And then by day 20, you can tap into it easily and hear from yourself. And so all you need to do is write dear and then write your name and then just tell yourself how you love yourself. Tell yourself what went well. Tell yourself how, when things didn't go well, how you were still there for you. Point those things out to you. That's you kind of indirectly giving yourself feedback And it's also you showing yourself, even when things don't go well, Hey, you're okay. You've got you. That's so beautiful. And it reminds me of, I'm working right now on a a certificate myself, my own education around confidence, because it's something that in the career space, people come to us for strategy, right? But the reality is it's mostly mindset work. A lot of it is that confidence. And one of the activities we had to do was write our own eulogy. And we had to pick, and I, I had to pick who was going to read it. And, you know, the instructor was talking about how, you know, we're in, typically not at our, our funerals. And so all these beautiful things are being said about us, but we don't get to hear it. Maybe depending on what you believe, you, you might be hearing it, but, you know, in the, in the physical space, we don't get to hear it. And so she had us write out our eulogy. And I also similar, like rolled my eyes. I was like, oh God, like, all right, like, I guess I'll do this. And as I put pen to paper, I started like tearing up thinking about how I want to be remembered when I'm no longer here. And then the next part of that activity was we had to then, after we wrote our own eulogy, we had to go ask the five people who were closest to us and I just asked them to list, you know, when they think I had to write, when you think of me, what are five traits that come to your mind? And it was a really beautiful exercise to see if the way I want to be remembered is the way that I'm showing up now. And 
the exercise that you're talking about reminds me of that, of like just that, how the, how you can surprise yourself with what, with your intuition and with your knowing and even from like a, a neuroscience and a biology perspective, right? Like our, there's a, a vein that goes from our brain to our, to our stomach that, that creates that gut feeling for us. It is, it's our, it's your brain telling you, Hey, this is right. This is wrong. You know, you should try this. You should take that leap. And so, you know, that inner knowing is so, so, so powerful and taking those steps to really a tap into it and B love yourself, right? That's the ultimate it's the ultimate goal in all of this, right? The more love you have for yourself, the more confidence you're going to have in yourself, the more confidence other people will have in you. And it's this beautiful train reaction. So you talk a lot when we're talking about it now too, about having trust in yourself. And that's such a huge first step here. So when you think about it from a career perspective, why do you think that's so important in growing, kind of touch on it a little bit, but in growing your career or transitioning careers, that trust in yourself and what kind of, why do you think it's so important? And then also where have you seen the biggest shifts happen in your work when people start trusting themselves? Trust. The reason it's so important is because when we don't have the trust, it means we look to others to tell us if we're okay. But if we have the trust, we check in with ourselves first as our own point of authority. We become our own internal guide. So then even when you do get feedback, good or bad, you then can check in with yourself and say, okay, does this resonate? Does this land? And I think for us in L&D, this is crucial because we're, we're taught and we probably love being open and getting feedback and receiving feedback. But what we're not often taught is that we don't need to just assume the feedback is correct. We can check in with ourselves and be like, does this land? Because feedback, what is it? It's somebody's opinion of you. Well, who has the right to say their opinion is more valid than your own opinion? And I appreciate that we can be unaware of of what we're putting off at times, but when we use the skill of checking in with ourselves for any feedback and you notice how it feels and you you go beyond the the ego mind that's trying to survive and into this soul-based space that knows, you'll get that hit, you'll get that inkling, that gut, that feeling, that knowing about whether it, it truly is something for you to focus on whether it fits and what to do with it. And so I think that's why trust is so important. And the other thing it does is because you're no longer looking to others to tell you about you, you're also no longer so focused on how you're being perceived, which means you then get to focus on the environment around you, on what's going on, on the situation, which makes you a better consultant, which makes you show up in a way where you get to be able to give your feedback better because in L&D, we're all consultants, whether that's officially in your title or not, you're the internal consultant. So, so true. Yeah. Yeah. So for you to be able to advise in that way, you need to be focused, not on whether you're showing up in a certain way and what people are thinking of you, but on what is actually happening around you. The only way to do that is to free yourself from all of the concerns about you and focus on them. And that's what trust gives us. That's such an important lesson. And I, as you were talking, I was thinking about how, especially on LinkedIn, Jenny, we're both very active on there, especially on LinkedIn. I often see people who are 
so hungry for everyone else to tell them the answers. And I see it a lot in the job searching world of how do I do this? How do I do that? Tell me this, tell me this. And it's, it's this overconsumption. and I'm all, I mean, I give advice, right? So I, I I'm all about, you know, finding people who you jive with and taking their advice and having someone to be your mentor, your Sherpa, you know, this is a hard journey and you can't do it alone, but there, there's a shift when you can tell when people are, are this is, I'm, I'm actually processing everything that you're saying right now, because there's a huge shift and I can tell when people are asking advice or guidance from a place of trusting themselves and kind of wanting that, that gut check of like, this is my path forward. I I'm kind of doing a little bit of crowdsourcing here just to kind of, just to, to check that, you know, this, this is a, a, a path I want to be on or you know, more of a research base, right. Versus people who don't have the trust in themselves and are looking for anyone and everyone to give them every single step of the way. And there's lots of different advice out there, right? So what I advice that I give is uh, totally different than advice that someone else in my same space might give, right? And so if you're constantly not trusting yourself, well, you're getting all of this different advice that's that's essentially working against each other too. So I, I really resonated with what you just said of being able to see people. It's very tr- obvious to me who trusts themselves and who's asking for advice based on a you know, research of like, okay, I feel good about this. Let me just make sure I'm not missing anything. You know, my, my, again, that feedback of like, wow, I I might've been blissfully unaware of something versus I'm coming from a place of scarcity and mistrust in myself. And I'm going to try and take everyone's advice and apply everything. And when you do everything, you essentially do nothing. So that really, really is spot on. And I hope a lot of people take that to heart. So would you say that building trust in yourself is the kind of same steps, like building that self-confidence of how do you start learning to love yourself? Or is it a different process, you know, building trust and building self-confidence? They feed off each other. So the way I, I teach it is self-trust. That's the foundation. That's your own belief in you, your own knowing and your own of your own brilliance, really. And from that, you feel self-confident. You create the the mood or almost like the aura of self-confidence. And I said the word create, but what we're really meaning is you're tapping into what's already there. You're feeling what is you, what is truth. So when you trust yourself, which is kind of the belief of you being there for you, you feel self-confident. And as you feel self-confident and you delight in that feeling, you realize, oh, I can be here for me, which then makes you trust yourself more. So they feed off each other and wherever you're at in the cycle, all that matters is whether you're moving up or you're moving down. doesn't matter where you're at. Just notice the direction you're going. And that's your point of pivot. That's your chance to say, okay, how is it that I'm actually okay here? How is it that I can be here for myself here? How is it that maybe nothing's gone wrong? How is it that I have my own back right now? And all of those pieces can help you get back into moving up as opposed to maybe moving down. And and one of the things you mentioned, and I love that you pointed this out, Sarah, is the idea that the behavior might still look the same. When you're trusting yourself, it doesn't mean all of a sudden you don't want anyone's feedback. I still love asking other people's opinions or doing research, but I don't use it in the same way. I use it as a skill to build my own connection with me, as opposed to being told who I am outwardly. 
That's you put it so much more beautifully than, than I did. Right. Building that. How do I use that information as data to build that connection with, with me versus again, that scarcity mindset or, or that lack of, of who I am and trying to create who you are based on all of these other people. Um, it's such a, a beautiful relationship between self-trust and, and self-confidence and it takes work, right? It isn't something that all of a sudden they're going to listen to this podcast and be cured and be the most confident and self-trusting person, but it's those little things day in and day out when you can actually stop and take a pause and check in with yourself. And I don't think people especially when they're in the job search and things feel very scary and things feel very unknown. A lot of people don't give themselves the break. I often tell my clients, like, I want you to take a break this week. I don't even want you to look for jobs. Don't, not at all. Like you have to stop, like you have to stop, you know, but I don't think people stop enough to be able to then do that introspective work and say, where am I right now? Where is my self-trust? And being able to check in with yourself of, okay, my self-trust bank is dipping right now. How do I take care of myself to, to fill that back up? So one, this leads me into, into a question that I know you talk a lot about, and I'm obsessed with the way that you talk about it. So one of my most favorite things that you talk about is how we should stop calling imposter syndrome a syndrome. It is I already loved you, but when I listened to that podcast episode and read your blog post about it, I fell in love with you even more. So why shouldn't we call it that? So why shouldn't we call it a syndrome? And what can we do to start to get over this type of thinking? Yeah, when we call imposter syndrome a syndrome, what we're really doing is taking all of the past experiences that we've decided mean something about us, and we're dragging them to the present moment. Because when you think about the word syndrome, what does it mean? It's like a collection of symptoms, of things you've noticed, of things you've felt, of how you are remembering what happened before. And whenever we do that, we just redefine ourselves by the past, by who we believe we were back then. And so you're carrying this knapsack of every past situation that you're remembering in a negative light in a way that doesn't serve you. So there's no reason to bring that with you. And, and the other thing too is imposter syndrome. It's not in the DSM. That's the, the diagnostic manual that psychiatrists, psychologists use to diagnose someone. So it's not even real in that sense. And yet we all carry this around. So what I always invite people to do is to drop the word syndrome, imposter syndrome. Think about how heavy that feels. We make it into this big thing. Stop pulling that knapsack with you. Let it go. Release it from yourself and stop making it a part of your identity. Because whenever we label ourselves in that way, we're giving ourselves an identity. We're saying, this is who I am. But why? Why do we call ourselves that? Well, this is what happened in the past. But so what? Why, why does that have to matter right now? Because the only moment we truly have in time is the moment we're in now. So I invite people to think about it like imposter moments. I'm having a thought. I'm having a feeling. It's not me. It's not my identity. It's just a way I'm thinking or a way I'm feeling. And we, we don't have to make that us. And so I, I like to think about if you're going to label yourself, label yourself in a way that's helpful. And one of my favorite things is to think about ourselves as self-supporters. So drop this syndrome knapsack and just decide, okay, 
how can I support myself right now? If I'm going to label myself, let me be a self-believer or a self-supporter. What does that look like? How can I feel that now? And, and what I find this does, and really this is getting back to that trust piece again, but when people do this, and, and I've seen this with my clients, they show up in interviews completely differently. They haven't what I call the consultant or expert energy that they bring to that interview because they're not carrying the past with them. They're showing up in that moment right then and they're engaged. So it shows up in interviews. It changes how we communicate. I had uh, an executive leader who was often struggling and calling themselves as, as having imposter syndrome. And as we worked on this, what she realized was her own role in her team. It wasn't that she was supposed to be the expert of everything. And that's another thing with being an, an imposter syndrome. We think we're supposed to own it all, but in this world, it's always an energy exchange. It's what do I do and how does the things I'm interacting with, how do they influence that as well? So with this executive leader, she was trying to take ownership of her entire team's success. Of course, you're going to feel like an imposter because truly you are in that moment. We can't own our entire team's success, but we can own our part, what we do, how we think, how we feel, how we show up and the energy we bring. And that when she focused there, that let her stop trying to make her team a certain way, but instead help her to ask the right questions so that her team could then access their own truth, their own success. And so now the whole team has more of a sense of one safety within the team because everyone gets to show up as themselves and two gets to tap into their own brilliance because everyone respects each other's area of interest. So she can stop owning the entire team's success, focus on hers, focus on supporting herself, which will then support the team so that they together can create the result uh, within it. So when we can do this, it can just transform our teams and our own success as well. Wow. I mean, I'm just, I'm speechless by that, the, the definition that you gave around that and kind of the, the reframing of it. And what's so interesting is that you look at it from a psychology basis, right. Of the way that our, our, even a neuroscience way that our brain works is if we keep telling ourselves that we are an imposter confirmation bias will kick in and we'll keep looking, the brain will keep looking for reasons to believe that we are an imposter. And so when you have now diagnosed yourself with a syndrome, and that is that you have now said, right, that is, that has become you. I am, I am diagnosed. I have this, this is who I am. Well, of course, anytime anything happens, your brain, because you're, you have told your brain that now your brain is believing it. Your brain is going to start to look for indications that you are correct, that you are an imposter. But if we let go of that knapsack and that identity, right. And we say, I'm having an imposter moment, but that's not who I am. Well, then your brain is going to catch up to you and say, yeah, you're not an imposter. And then you'll continue to find a new confirmation bias of all the reasons why you're not an imposter. So it's, it's so beautiful the way that you give people the freedom to leave, leave the knapsack, leave the bag behind of all of that crap that we've been carrying with us that have told that, that we've told ourselves and other people have told us that we're an imposter and how do we reframe that to it being a moment or a feeling, which is normal, right? There's not a day that goes by that someone doesn't feel that it's funny. And I was at the doctor's office this morning 
And for some reason she said, oh, what do you have your bachelor's degree in? And I said, organizational leadership and learning. And she goes, oh, wow. Like you must really have your stuff together. And I laughed. I was like, um, it's so interesting how we can like, look at that just one piece of information she got for me. And she automatically assumed I have my shit together. I do not have my shit together. Like, <laughs> you know, in some ways, sure I do. But like, I, I explained to her, I'm like, well, like in all honesty, I didn't go back to school until I dropped out of college when I was 20 years old. And I didn't go back till I was 26, 27. She goes, Oh, really? You know? So it's again, like, I think we look, see other people's highlight reels and think, Oh, well, I must be an imposter if that's, if that's how they're living their life. And the reality is like, we all have skeletons in our closet. We all have that backpack, but it's making the choice, the conscious choice of, am I going to pick it up or am I going to leave it behind? It still exists. It's there, right? We didn't, we didn't, we can't burn it. It's invisible, but it's making that conscious choice. And I really appreciate you being able to reframe it that way. And that well, ultimately, I have imposter mom- moments, not syndrome, but imposter moments myself too. Um, and now it will help me re- reframe that. So thank you so much for that. I think it's going to help so many people. And so I want to wrap up with one final question that I ask everyone, which is what is something that you are personally learning right now? I love this question. It's so on point for all of us who love uh, learning and development. So for me right now, I'm exploring human design, that uh, system, a personality system for, for those who aren't familiar with it, but it's based on uh, astrology and some ancient wisdom in that way. And I remember uh, when I was getting my master's, it was very research-based and I would often just kind of hide the woo away put away the soul side. You can't see the evidence of that. So that can't exist. And I would get so into the research side and I wouldn't let myself explore this fun, flowy, passionate part of me. And so over the the past, I would say like four years, I've really been reopening up to that and re-bringing that back out. And human design is such a fun way to do it. I mean, uh, it's, it has pegged me more closely than any personality system. And for those who don't know, it's really based on your birthday, your birthplace and your birth time. Whereas every other system I've ever done, of course, is based on your behaviors, your values, your beliefs, your preferences, and you're answering all these questions. And yet human design, just based on things that you yourself can't control at the human level, pegs pegged me so well. And so I just think it really opened my mind up to the fact that we are all in this system together and we're all here as our own unique spark, our own unique light, our own unique soul here to bring something to that. And we, we don't have to deny the things that we can't see. We don't always need to look for the research. Perhaps there's an opportunity to just know. And so that that's where I'm at with it. And I'm, I'm loving just diving in even more into human design. I love that. I, I, and, and we both know about human design. Our coach uh, helps us run our businesses based off our human design. So uh, we, we can go into it a little bit more, but for a very kind of brief question, what is your human design type? I am a manifester. Okay. I'm a generator. So. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So if anyone wants more information on that, you can let us, let us know, but yeah, it's, again, and I think we both have the same type of side of there's that the logical side and the, and the scientific side and the research side, but then it's, it's that part of 
tapping into your own intuition and into your knowing and having a system to say, yes, this, okay, that is my knowing speaking, right? So even if you are on the more logical side, you're like, well, this doesn't sound quite right for me. It actually gives you a more logical space to be able to make decisions from too. So it's really, really interesting. So Lisa, you are absolutely incredible. I know people are going to want to find you, connect with you, work with you, be in your orbit. Where can everyone find and connect with you? Yes. So you can find me on Instagram at belief seed. Uh, you can find me at Facebook at the, that same place. And then also, if you want to dive in more, I do have a podcast called your work, your way. And you can find that on pretty much any podcast streaming or, or app in that way. So I'd love to, to have you join. We dive into how to show up as you at work so that you can bring your full self uh, in all that you do. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for hopping on today. I know this episode is going to help so many people. I know it's not the last time, obviously we'll see each other many other times, but the last time that we'll be talking on a forum like this. So thank you for stopping by, especially on this Friday morning. And I can't wait for us to talk again soon. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If it resonated with you in any way, please let me know by subscribing, liking, and leaving a review. I'd love to hear from you on how you're using these tools as well as what you want to hear more of. So connect with me on LinkedIn at Sarah Canistra, send me a DM or email me at hello at theovernighttrainer.com. I can't wait to hear from you. And until next week, stay learning.